Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. All right. How many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? All right. All right. I almost believe you. We are going to move forward in a series that we're calling um, Advancing Hope. This is our segue series, if you would, as we're connecting 2020 and 2021. 2020's word of the year, if you remember, was the word hope. And on the onset of 2020, we didn't understand that. But as we got into 2020, quickly we understood why God was setting us up for this and why God was preparing us and showing us that we needed hope. And the word for 2021 for Encounter Church is the word advance. We're not to stay settled where we are. We're not to be comfortable where we are, but we're continue to go forward, continue to press forward, to advance the kingdom of God, to advance hope to a world that has lost its sense of hope. They've lost the sense of joy. They've found themselves truly in a hopeless state. So we're taking the time to look at a, a great book of the Bible. We're going back to the Old Testament, to the book of Nehemiah. And here we have Nehemiah, he hears word, his brother comes to visit him. And by the way, Nehemiah is living the life, he's living the dream, he's second in command, he's the cupbearer for the, for the king, so he's right there, the greatest position he could have. And his brother comes on the scene, Nehemiah says, hey, how are the people back in Jerusalem? And his brother says, they're terrible. Things are Awful, And maybe that's how you've responded to somebody this week. Hey, how's, how's life going? How, how are things back home? It's terrible. It, it's awful. We're tired of quarantining. We're tired of this. We're tired of that. We're struggling with this. And this is a problem. That's an issue. One thing after another. And that's where Nehemiah finds himself. And the Bible says that in that moment of, of hearing that news of his people in turmoil, that his heart was broken. And as I processed this series, I had to ask myself, does our hearts break for the lost outside these walls? See, Jesus on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the Bible says that as he got to the edge of the city, he paused for just a moment and he gazed upon the city. And in that moment, he began to weep. Why did he begin to weep? Because he felt and he sensed the brokenness of the people. I wonder, do we have that sense of burden for the lost in our society? For that co-worker, that neighbor, that loved one. When we pull into town, and maybe you're from out of town, and we reach many people outside of the city limits of Sedalia. In fact, we reach about a 35-mile radius all around us, about seven counties. And now we've added Warrensburg campus, and we're reaching many counties there as well. So as you enter into your community, wherever that community may be, when you see that sign at the edge of town with the population, does your heart begin to break? For those that are lost without Jesus Christ. 
Nehemiah realized that there was turmoil, that there were struggles, that there were problems, that the walls of the city had been torn down, that twice in the last 90 years somebody had tried to come on the scene, somebody had tried to rebuild the walls, and each time they had failed. As he enters into Jerusalem, three days he just sat back and let God begin to sink into his spirit what needed to be accomplished. Today I want to share with you, I've titled the message, It's Time to Work. Because sometimes I feel that, that we as a people, we, we categorize our lives. Is that a fair statement? We come into church and this is our, our Sunday personality, our Sunday face. This is what everyone expects of me. Good morning, brother. Good morning. Oh, so good to see you. How's your week? All blessed and highly favored in the Lord. Right? But then we go out and we leave this place. We go to the workplace and we, we take off our church hat and we put on the work hat. But did you know that as a believer, as a Christian, we can't compartmentalize our lives? That we are called to be the same here as we are there. We are called to represent Jesus in all that we say and all that we do and our response, our vocabulary, our actions all should represent Jesus. Why? Because if you ask him into your life, he takes residence in you. I'm reminded of a little story. I've shared it before, but a, a little girl was at at church one day and in Sunday school class and in kids' church that morning, they were talking about how big God is. That God is bigger than anything. And they, maybe they even watched the VeggieTale show, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Anybody remember that? Come on, now you're going to sing it all service. You're welcome. They talked about how big God is and there's nothing out of his control. And They got that little kid thinking and they got home and on the way home in the car looked at mom and said, Mom, is God really bigger than anything? Mom said, absolutely. There's nothing that's larger than God. Thinks for a moment. Then mom, are we supposed to ask Jesus into our lives? Well, yeah. If we ask Jesus into our lives, he, he comes in, he forgives us of everything and gives us a brand new life. Instantly the child responds. Then mom, if, if God is so big and we ask him into our life, shouldn't he shine through? And I wonder, are we allowing Jesus to really shine through? See, that's where Nehemiah found himself as he entered into a hopeless situation amongst a group of people that just settled amongst the rubble around them. They had virtually given up. There was no hope. We've tried this before, twice, and twice it failed. There's nothing more we can do. But Nehemiah, in this moment, realized that God is bigger than anything. That if God directed it, if God ordained it, if God set it into motion, it didn't matter how many times previously it had been attempted and failed. If God was in it, it would come to fruition. 
Let's look at our text this morning. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. Nehemiah is penning the words of this great book, and he states this. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Nehemiah came on the scene, and yes, he faced great opposition. We learned that last week. Nothing of lasting value, nothing of any worth can ever be accomplished without somebody saying it can't be done. Nehemiah faced that. He had people rising up against him, trying to cause problems, and that continued throughout the book. Yet he had great faith. He realized that if God was truly in it, then no amount of force on the outside could stop what God wanted to do on the inside. He accomplished this great task not because of his own ability, but he rallied together the, the group, the, 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 the community, the people Great dedication on their part. They helped to rebuild the wall. And then I came to realize something. Every single one of them was important. You see, they were assigned different tasks. Your clan, your group, I need you to take care of this section of the wall. Your group, I need you to deal with this section of the wall. You guys, I need you to grab all the bolts and all the nuts and all these things and put the doors back together, latch the locks real tight. I need each one of us to do our part. And I began to think nothing has really changed over the years in the church. Much is the same. Every one of us has a responsibility. Every one of us is part of this great body of believers. Every one of us has a responsibility, a job, a, a task to do. The question is, are we willing to rise to the occasion? This morning, we're going to talk about the topic, it's time to work. And in this, I want you to do a couple of things. Number one, I want you to apply these points to your personal job, what you do throughout the week. But I also want you to apply this to what you do here at the church. Principle number one, discover the purpose of your work. Why do you do what you do? We talked about it last week. One of the very first things that Nehemiah did when he came on the scene after his three days of sitting back, one of the first things he did, he did his homework. He tried to figure out, what's the purpose? Why am I here? Why did I leave the comfort of the king's palace? I mean, there I was tasting some amazing food. I was making sure everything was safe. Things were great there. Why did I leave that to come to this place? What's my purpose? So ask yourself that question. Why do I do what I do? Why do I go to work? Why do I drive that truck? Why do I cut up that chicken? Why do I teach those kids? Whatever your job may be. What's the purpose behind it? 
Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 says this, But now I said to them, Nehemiah said to them, You know very well, he was defining the purpose, he was laying out the foundation that they could build upon. You know very well the trouble we are in. It's almost as if he says, pause a moment and look around you. Step away from your situation because you've gotten comfortable amongst the rubble. That's so easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy to, to get in the midst of the rubble and we just kind of, uh, this is just kind of my life. It's what I do. It's where I hang out. Nehemiah in that moment says, guys, you've got to wake up. You've got to wake up and realize that surrounding us are ruins. This is a mess. This is a disgrace. We are called to represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords, yet we're living in shambles. You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's rebuild the wall. What's our purpose? Our purpose is to rebuild the walls to end this disgrace. Again, what is your purpose? Why do you do what you do? Nehemiah said, we've got to go out and do this. It's a disgrace. God's people are living in shambles. The city is torn down. The walls have been destroyed. It's all a mess. What a disgrace we are. He was appealing to the fact that God's name was being defamed. What about us? The Christians in America. Let's think about this globally just for a moment. We're, we're going to hone it down personally in a second, so hold on there. But globally, what's our responsibility? Are we just supposed to hang out in the ruins? I mean, let's be honest. I told you we're transparent as a church. Let's be transparent here. Our nation is in ruins. The walls have been torn down. We're living in rubble. Some would even agree that we're living in a disgrace. We've defamed the name of God. Yet what do we do? We all just sit back. Well, that's the world we live in. What's our purpose? The Bible says that our purpose is to go into all the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone everywhere. To raise up disciples, to, to share the love of God, to be a reflection of him everywhere we go, to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. See, we're only here on this earth for 70, 80, 90, 100 years if you're lucky. We're going to spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. And I wonder, have we grabbed a hold of our purpose? Did you know that your ultimate purpose isn't just to meander through life and live in the rubble? As a Christian, as a believer, you have a responsibility 
to raise up disciples. Well, pastor, that's what we pay you for. Wrong. Wrong. My responsibility is to equip you, to encourage you, to help motivate you, to get you moving forward. Guess what? Your responsibility is to go to your workplace. Your responsibility is to go to your house. Your responsibility is to voice the good news of Jesus Christ to a broken, torn down society that's lost without Jesus Christ. It's your responsibility to advance hope. So what are we doing? We've got to discover the purpose. And then what about you individually? What's your job? What's your purpose at the job? Maybe you've been there for just a short time. Maybe you've spent your entire adult career at that particular job. What's your purpose? Some of you say, well, my purpose is this. I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Or maybe you say, I've got, I've got so many bills to pay, I've got to earn more money. Or maybe, I just want to get rich. I want to gather all that I can. I want to buy all that I can. Or some of you are saying, I work just so that I can retire. What's your purpose? See, here's some truths regarding work. You may not realize this, but number one is this. God, uh, work is God's idea. Did you know that? Work is God's idea. Right out of the gate, creation is taking place. And, and it says God created man in his own image, male and female. And God said to them, fill the earth, subdue it, and what? Rule over it. Right out of the gate. God says, I'm going to give you a purpose. I'm going to give you a responsibility. I'm going to show you what it means to work. Jesus Christ himself, God Almighty himself, he was a worker. He created work. He created your job, not just to bless you, but so that you could be a blessing to someone else. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, verse 7, in 1 Timothy 5.18 and Matthew 10.10, the Bible is very clear that part of our responsibility is to work. So the workman is worthy of his pay. The old Chinese proverb says it this way, no worky, no eaty. Maybe that's not a Chinese proverb, but it sounds really good. But work is God's idea. The second thing is this, work honors God. Or maybe I need to add to that, Good work honors God. Not all work honors God. See, if you're slacking on the job, if you're just doing the bare minimum to get by, my daughter just started a job in Springfield. She's a, a CNA, certified nurse's assistant. And she just started working at a nursing facility in Springfield while she's in college. A new a young lady started working there with her a couple of weeks ago and in the midst of conversation that first night, this new employee looked at my daughter and says, do you think it's okay if I go to sleep? And they work like the, the later shift. And, and Lauren said, that, that might not be good. And the girl's response was this, but I'm really tired. That kind of work does not honor God. 
See, if we're to represent Jesus in all that we say and all that we do, then we've got to represent him in all that we say and all that we do. I know that sounds redundant, but come on, sometimes the simple things we need to grab a hold of. Common sense is not so common anymore. We've got to honor God with our hard work, to do the best we can. That's what the Corinthians tells us, that everything you do, do it to the best of your ability. Why? To the glory of God. Not so that you can get patted on the back. Not, that you, not so you can have all these accolades. But to glorify and honor God. Here's what I've come to believe. A Christian should be the best employee at the company. Let that sink in. A Christian should be the best employee at the company. If you're a Christian, if people know that you're a Christian, if you talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you talk about church and all of these things, then you should be the model employee. Work honors God. Number, number three, work is an example to others. It demonstrates what you believe. It's your testimony. It's your witness. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says it this way. Make it your goal. In other words, it's something to aim toward. I'll put a disclaimer. You may not always be the best. Because sometimes we have bad days. Anybody ever have a bad day? Sometimes we don't really respond the way that we should. Sometimes the fleshly side of us takes over. We lash out when we shouldn't lash out, right? But make it your goal. Make it your purpose to live a quiet life, minding your own business, and say it with me, working with your hands. Working. Make it your goal. You're working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then, that word then is very important. That means something has occurred and something is going to be the response. There's always a response to what we do. There's always a follow-up from how you behave, how you act, how you respond. Then, people who are not believers, oh, come on, look at this. People who are not Believers will respect the way you live and will not need to depend on others. You will not need to depend on others. Did you see this? You are to set the example of the goodness of God. Society has tainted, has perverted what it means to be a Christian. Right? So why not rectify that? Why not bring about the truth? Allow the truth to radiate through you so that when those situations arise, someone else, a non-Christian, can say, uh-uh, that's not true. Because I watch Johnny over here, and I know the life that he's living. He's consistent. What he says, he does. What he claims, he follows through with. Make it your goal. That's what Nehemiah was saying to them. He says, guys, your apathy, 
your lack of concern for what's fallen and broken and torn down around us, it's a disgrace to the people of God. It's a disgrace to God himself. What's that look like in your daily work? The workplace, at the job, what's that look like? Now, what about for the church? I told you there'll be two points of this. One was to look at your personal experience, but also look at what you do here at the body of Christ. Are these purposes the same? Absolutely. We are building God's kingdom. We are to do the best that we can to advance the glory of God in a hopeless world. We are to give our all for him. Our first principle is discover the purpose. So identify the purpose. Lay the foundation. Figure out what you're building upon. The second is this. Develop a strong work ethic. Develop a strong work ethic. Now, as you read through this chapter, and I hope that you're doing that. I'm hoping that you're taking the time as we're processing through the book of Nehemiah to really dive in it during the week so that when we come in on Sunday, it's just kind of pulling out a few nuggets. But as we read through it, we'll realize that these people were dedicated to their work. Nehemiah mentions 38 individuals, 42 different groups of people, and several that he didn't mention them by name. These people finished the task, and neither the enemies on the outside nor the difficulties on the inside distracted them from their God-given task. We discovered a couple of weeks ago, but let me remind you of it this morning. We are to pray as if it depends upon God. But we are to work as if it depends upon us. We've got to put feet to our prayers. So let's talk about a good work ethic. Uh, man, you would think that this is common, but again, it's not so common anymore. We don't understand what a good work ethic really means. I've watched this diminish over the years, even with my generation. I'll be honest. Man, my, my grandpa's generation, there was nothing that would stop them. I mean, they would, they would take the bull by the horns. They would throw it to the ground. We just kind of look at the bull and go, not today. Right? So let's talk about a good work ethic. If the Christian is to be the best employee in the company, if we are to represent Jesus, then we've got to have a good work ethic. Let's look at this, talk about this. It consists of, number one, being responsible and apply your skills and abilities to your work. Be responsible. In other words, take ownership of it. Apply your abilities. Sometimes we get the mindset of, if, if they don't know that I can do that, I don't have to worry about doing that. I had a co-worker one time that says, you know, if you act dumb enough long enough, they won't ask you anymore. I was like, what? If you act dumb enough long enough, they won't ask you to do it anymore. Do not take that as advice this morning. We are to represent Jesus to the best of our ability. Every person, no matter what their background, has some skill, some ability, some talent that they can bring 
to the table. Maybe, maybe you can think of somebody right now. Man, they've got a lot of potential. They've got a lot of abilities. But they just are not being responsible with them. They're not applying them. I'm reminded of the story of the talents in the book of Matthew. I don't have time to tell the story this morning. You can read it Matthew chapter 25, but a, a ruler, a, a leader, master goes off and he entrusts his, some of his employees with some talents and says, hey, take care of these. I'll come back and then we'll reconcile at the end. Two of them invested them. They put them to work. Another one, he had the talent, but out of fear, he, he hid it in the dirt. He hid it in the ground. He didn't want to lose his master's money. And I wonder, are we like that as, as believers sometimes, as people? We just kind of get in our routine, in the ruts. We don't really want to make a fuss. We don't want to make a scene. We're, we're afraid to mess up, so we kind of push it off to the side. So I've got to ask you, what are you going to do with the ability or the talent that God has given you? Let me pause, because some of you right then, some of you just excused yourself. I heard it. You said, but I don't have the ability that so-and-so has. I'm not as good as they are. I have nothing to offer whatsoever. That's a lie from the enemy. Every one of us, every individual, every person in this room has something to offer. Every one of us has a purpose to fulfill. The question is, what are you going to do with it? I'm not asking you what's the church going to do. I know what the church is going to do. I'm not asking you what someone else in the room is going to do. Quite honestly, that's none of your business because the Bible says, make it your goal to live a quiet life minding your own business. Well, that just got real. <laughs> that wasn't even my notes. So that was like the Holy Spirit shot in that right there. Some of us, we get up in everybody else's business. And then we post it on Facebook. Well, let's move on. Mind your business. Be responsible and apply the skills and abilities to your work. People in Jerusalem, they had gotten lazy. They had sat back. They were told it couldn't happen they were told that it was hopeless. We've tried it before and it can't be done. They rested in their ruins. But I've discovered that a good work ethic is being responsible with what God has given you and applying it. We must, we must put action to what God has placed in our lives. We've got to take responsibility. We've got to take ownership. We've got to apply it in all areas of our life. It's not enough to know that you have a purpose. I know that my car needs gas. But if I don't put gas in my car, I'm not going anywhere. Some of us, we realize that we've got a purpose, but we never put the purpose inside of our lives, and therefore, we don't really go anywhere. We just sit in the ruins. This next thing regarding strong work ethic is this, being conscientious, a big word there, being conscientious with the work you've been assigned to do. There is a, a word that is used in chapter 3 that I want to pull out here. It's the word repair. 
They had to repair portions of the wall. That word repair simply means to make strong or firm. Some of you in your life, you need to repair what's been broken down. You need to once again make strong what's been destroyed. Nehemiah, the people in Jerusalem, none of them were happy with just a a quick fix or just whitewashing the walls. They realized that if they were going to make this wall unable to be penetrated, then they had to do the hard work of repairing, of making it strong, of making it firm. They were building for the glory of God, so they did their best. Could it be that they had a core value that stated we offer excellence because God deserves excellence? That sounds familiar, doesn't it? You're like, I have no idea. That's one of our core values. We try to talk about those regularly. They're on the wall in the lobby. We value excellence. I believe that Nehemiah valued excellence because he knew that God deserved excellence. Number three, being aware of future consequences of your work. Did you know that there are consequences, good and bad, for how you do your job? That may be new to some of you. Maybe you think, that doesn't really matter. I just go in and do my job, and I get my paycheck, and all is good. But really, if you really begin to dig down deep, there are consequences, good and bad, for how you did your job. The Bible talks about the bolts and the bars that were being pulled back together and and the walls that were being set and the gates that were realigned and and the bars put in. They were fitted together so that those on the outside couldn't get in. It's not enough, listen carefully, it's not enough just to clock in. Again, my daughter's job, this blows my mind. I've I've told so many people this. It blows my mind. If she doesn't, in a two-week time period, if she doesn't clock in late and doesn't clock out early and doesn't call in, she gets an hour bonus per, uh, sorry, a dollar bonus per hour on her paycheck. So just for doing her job, she gets a bonus. No. Pastor Luke said, can I get that? Isn't that crazy, though? Just for showing up. There's a consequence. Good and bad for doing your job. Your work, your work ethic today has an impact on the future of the company that you work for. Think about it for the church. The future of the church rests upon the work ethic of those that give of their time and their talents for his kingdom. If we came in here every week and and the worship team never rehearsed, never practiced, never got together, if I suddenly just walked up and said, well, this morning we're going to preach from Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, yes, you Just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, you can identify people by their action. Well, see, that would have actually worked. (laughs) 
Sometimes that doesn't work. But that right there will preach. It's even highlighted in yellow in my Bible. Man, look at that. You can identify a tree by its fruit. But there are some Christians, we're not living by the fruit that's been placed inside of us. The Bible, though, see, I'm going to start preaching that now. The Bible says the Holy Spirit places inside of us a new nature. Are we demonstrating that to the world? Because there are consequences to our actions. Never allow your lack of work ethic, never allow your actions at the job to be someone else's excuse for not coming to know Christ. Well, I I don't want to go to church because I see them and they're a wreck. They're in ruins. Let me move on. Number three. Determine to keep your focus on your work. Determine to keep your focus on your work. Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 1. Then Eliashib, the high priest and the other priests, started to rebuild at the sheep gate. Let me give you a little backstory here. It's a very important lesson here. Eliashib has enlisted some of the other fellow priests to work on the sheep gate. This is the gate that the animals are brought into the city through, uh, it's including the temple sacrifices. This gate was near the temple, so it was logical that the priests be the ones to work on this special project. It's the only gate that the Bible records that was sanctified or dedicated to God. So, Here is Eliashib, the high priest. His fellow priests, they're gathering together. They're rebuilding this gate. They're taking ownership in this moment. I wonder, do you take ownership with your job? Whether that's at the workplace or giving of your time here, maybe as a greeter or maybe working back here at the tech booth or serving coffee or working with kids, wherever you happen to be, are you taking ownership of that place? Now, sad to say with Eliashib, uh, we read in Nehemiah 13 that he lost focus. Uh, He didn't keep his focus on the work, on the task at hand. He became an ally with the enemy. The enemy was creating problems for Nehemiah and others, and Eliashib joined forces with them. Let me give you a little nugget here. Be careful not to put people on too high of a pedestal. Time and time again, here's what I've noticed. It's the very ones that you think will never turn on you. They're the ones that turn their back. It's the ones that you're thinking, oh, that's Eliashib. Man, he's going to be with me all the way through this. I mean, he's rallied the team. He's a leader, right? That's a little nugget there. Hold on to that. Here's what I've come to observe. Leaders must stay focused on God's calling and set the example for others. Leaders have to stay focused on the purpose, the calling of God. Let God lead the way. Finally, some important things that I want to share with you that Nehemiah discovered. First off, he discovered that some people won't work. Don't let this discourage you on the job. You may 
jump into the bandwagon of, well, if, if they're not going to work and they can get away with it, then I don't have to work. Who are you representing? There are some people, honestly, that just want to live in the limelight. They want to step in when they can receive glory in that moment. They want to swoop in at the last moment and go, Woo, look what we did. We rebuilt the wall. No, you didn't. You sat on your keister. Can I say that while preaching? She said you just did. But right? right? In verse 5 it says this. Next were the people of Tekoa. Tekoa. Though their leaders, by the way, these aren't real leaders. They're position only. And you're going to see why in a second. Their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. A leader isn't going to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I saw on Facebook a great quote. If you're too big to do the small things, you're too small to do the big things. If suddenly you say, you know what, manual labor, uh-uh, not for me. And my team knows we're going to be the first ones out there. I remember one family fest, one of the very first family fest events we did here at the church. If you're not, uh, if you're fairly new here, family fest, we used to put game booths and inflatables and fire trucks and everything here in the parking lot. And one year, the staff convinced me that we should open up the church and let people use the bathrooms inside instead of getting a porta potty. Halfway through, someone said, hey, there's a stall clogged in the guy's bathroom. So I ran and grabbed the plunger and I went to town for about 10 minutes. I literally wore a blister right here. Finally, another guy stepped in and said, nope, I got this. Step out. You don't want to know what I'm doing. I've got this. So I don't know what he did, but he fixed it. But as a leader, which we all are, remember leader equates influence. If you have any influence, you're a leader. Every one of us has to lead the way. Some people aren't going to work. Some people think they're too important. That's not your business. Make it your goal. Make it your goal to work hard. Secondly, some people do more work than others. That's just the truth. It's just the truth. Some people are going to jump in there. They're going to do more. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. You're going to find them. They're like Energizer Bunny hopping around. Nehemiah experienced that. There are people saying, what else can we do? I would challenge you this. Be a team player. Make yourself available to God, both in the secular workplace, but also in the church. Number three, some people work harder than others. Some do more work. Some don't do any work. And some work harder. Nehemiah mentions a a man by the name of Baruch. This guy was a hard worker. He was a zealous builder. Let me ask you, would you rather be around a hard worker or a lazy worker? If you say a hard worker, then what kind of worker are you? Are you representing Jesus? See, the church needs men and women who understand their purpose. Individually, at the church, and corporately, globally, 
we know our purpose. We need men and women who are strong in a work ethic, who aren't afraid to do the hard work. We're conscientious in what we do. We need people that are determined to keep focused upon the things of God, that aren't going to get distracted when somebody doesn't work as hard as they think they should work or when somebody tries to hop in at the last moments. See, that's none of our business. Our responsibility is to make it our goal to let Jesus shine through to let the fruit of the Spirit radiate in and through our lives. What kind of worker are you? Let's pray. God, I pray right now for your people. Lord, I pray that you will speak into us. If there are those of us in the room or watching online this morning that have found ourselves slacking on the job not really pulling our weight stepping in at the last moment just so we can be in the limelight Lord forgive us help us today to grab a hold of our purpose to represent you well with your heads bowed and your eyes closed you're here and you say pastor I I need Jesus in my life. You've used the word Christian or follower of Christ numerous times this morning, and that's not me. I haven't asked Jesus to forgive me. Maybe you say, well, I'm a good person. But can I, can I just tell you that's not going to do it? Because the Bible says we all mess up. We all sin. If there's any sin in our life, it separates us from God. So we need Jesus. The Bible is very clear that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In other words, he cleanses us of anything that separates us from God and he puts us in right standing with him. That's what Jesus did for you. He loves you that much. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I want to ask him to come in. I won't embarrass you. I promise you that. If that's you, just raise your hand. All across the house. Is that you? There's no sense in sitting in the rubble any longer. Jesus wants to rebuild inside of you what's been broken. Is that you? I'm going to give you about two seconds here. We're moving on. Second is this. You say, Pastor, I... I don't think I've been doing the best I can representing Jesus in my work. I would honestly say that I don't think that I've been the the model employee. And I need need God's help. I want to make a change. I want to represent Him well. I want Him to shine through. If that's you, would you raise your hand? It's okay. It's okay to admit this. Yes. Yes. Are there others? Yes, there's another. Are there others? 
Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come to line the front of the room. If you raised your hand or maybe you, you wanted to, but for some reason you didn't raise your hand or maybe you've just got another need, you've got something you need prayer about this morning. If that's you, as the worship team begins to lead us in this song, would you leave your seat? Would you come? Would you let them pray with you this morning? And we're going to come back in just a moment. We're going to wrap up the service.